again, I, I do this uh, mostly for our guests today, but uh, there's a gold insert in your service folder that is there for your um, help as we uh, study God's Word, especially Galatians chapter 5 today, and uh, a Bible study on the backside to take home with you uh, to use this week. Um, dear friends, a couple weeks ago, my uh, daughter Addie celebrated her fourth birthday. And uh, one of the things we, we do is at our home is probably the same as what you do, most of you do as well, is kind of ask the, the birthday person um, what they might want to do for their birthday. And so we asked her what she might want to do on her special day. And um, um, no surprise to what she said, um, she decided that she wanted to go to every four-year-old's uh, favorite pizza place. You know what that is, right? Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese, exactly. And a little bit of a side note, it's really interesting about Chuck E. Cheese, isn't it? About how kids love to go there and how adults tend to, I'll put it nicely, not love um, to go there. And in fact, it was kind of humorous. I noticed it especially the last few weeks, this time around, where, you know, we would say it and, and an adult or a parent would look at me with like this face that just said, I feel sorry for you. Or, you know, like, I'm going to keep you in my prayers, you know. And, and I'm happy to report, because there are so many concerned people, that things went just fine. And if that's because of your prayers, um, I thank you for keeping the pastor in your prayers. Um, but the main reason I bring this up is because while we were there, and it's been a couple years since we were there, um, I noticed something that was new and I hadn't seen before, and it's especially for, I found out, people whose birthday it is. And there's a picture of it here on the screen. It's called the, the Ticket Blaster. And uh, for those of you who don't know, um, what the Ticket Blaster is is like this capsule, or I'll call it a plexiglass box, okay? And you can stand in there. And then there's also this big fan, which has to be pretty strong of a fan because it can blow those prize tickets like in like a circular tornado type fashion um, while someone is standing in there. And then the really oddest part was then the, the workers, as this person was in there, um, encouraged family and friends to start pounding on the glass. And I, I really wasn't quite sure if that was like encouragement or let's scare the birthday girl or boy. I wasn't sure. So you think about this for a moment. Um, does that sound like fun? You know, if going into a plexiglass box while they start up a tornado and people are banging on the sides, if that sounds like fun to you, and I see some nodding heads, I guarantee you, you are not four years old, okay? And, and while Addie loved to get those tickets, um, there was no way I don't think she would ever have gone into the tornado box, I mean, the ticket blaster, for her and her four-year-old mind, the pros tickets sure did not outweigh the cons, which was <laughs> standing in there. We're today ending a series about religion, and the reason why we thought this was important for us as a congregation to study and to think about is that we know the world in which you live and I live, and there are so many misconceptions about religion, and quite frankly, a lot of baggage with that word. And, and what the unfortunate part is, two things. One is that a lot of the baggage keeps people away from going to church, really finding out what it's all about. And the second thing that's bad about the baggage is that when it comes to Christianity and the Bible following Jesus, most of it isn't even true. 
And so as you see in this bottom corner there, what we've been doing is taking a look at how following Jesus is more than just what the world would call religion. It's much more than that. Now as we uh, end today, we're going to be taking a look at another misconception about religion. And you've heard this before, and if it hasn't come from someone you've talked to, it's you've heard it on the news, or maybe from a governor from a few terms ago, of how religion is just something that is meant to kind of control weak people. That, that it's just a bunch of rules and, and directions that is meant to sort of control actions and change how you are. And so if, for instance, you want to be a Christian, well then, primarily what it's about is I'm going to have to clean up my language. And if I'm going to be a Christian, well then, I'm going to have to... Um, I'm going to have to be more committed to my marriage because the Bible says that marriage is for a lifetime. And I'm going to have to stop watching certain things that I watch on TV. I'm going to have to stop partying on the weekend or over-drinking. Or I'm going to have to have a better perspective about life and realize that you know, money and, and success are not most important. Or, or if you hear this one a lot, if I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to have to stop sleeping in on Sunday mornings. I'm going to have to go to church. Now, back to the ticket blaster, see what happens? <laughs> Is that sometimes people view church or religion or Christianity like Addie views the ticket blaster. What I mean is this. I can see there's good things in it, but it sure doesn't look like a whole lot of fun. I understand there's some benefits of being a Christian, but you know what? Truth be told, I don't know how committed I'm going to be because the pros really don't outweigh the cons. And here's the other truth. You do not have to be someone who's unchurched to feel this way. Because I know you're like me, and there's been times in your life, and maybe it's not today, but there's been times where you felt that way about being a Christian too about how living the Christian life is so hard, and that following Jesus, instead of a joy, becomes, on certain days, especially when God's direction is different than what we want to do, <laughs> becomes a burden. And, oh, i got to clear out my schedule to go to church, or I've got to do this or that. Now, today, on this Reformation weekend, Paul's going to restore some of the joy of the Christian life that Martin Luther also needed restored to him. And what he's going to do is by just changing our perspective. And uh, so that is going to be in Galatians. Before we go there, though, I just need to give you a little bit of background about these verses. Uh, so 2,000 years ago, when the Christian church was getting started after Jesus ascended to heaven, it grew by leaps and bounds. I mean, there were certain days where thousands of people would come to faith on the very same day. There was all this great growth and so, so many blessings, but there was also um, a very interesting time of a religious cultural shift. And the reason is, is because Jesus, when he came, 
He told people, and the disciples did the same, that because he died and rose again, that no longer did they need to follow all of those rules in the Old Testament about how to live, all those laws, that Jesus had freed them from those. Now, you know how hard it is to deal with change, right? You know how hard it is even more so to deal with change when it comes to church and your faith, right? You can imagine how difficult it was for these Jews who now wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus has just, with one swoop, gotten rid of 3,000 years worth of laws that they followed. They were pretty close to their heart because they had done them for so long. There was one particular law, especially, that was a stumbling block for these Jewish Christians. Um, What happened was they were beginning to say to people who wanted to become Christian or follow Jesus that in order for God to love you, in order for Jesus' forgiveness to be yours, in order for you to be a part of God's family, you'd better clean one of my rooms first before I give you the Milky Way. Um, You'd better jump through certain hoops or follow certain laws. And there's one in particular, and it's kind of embarrassing for us to talk about in, uh, you know, 2,000 years later, because it's, it, it's, it's just a little embarrassing, but it was circumcision. And so if you were a man, and you wanted to be a Christian, you basically had to have surgery first. You can imagine how this probably wasn't the best, you know, evangelism tool. <laughs> be a Christian, have your surgery, then Jesus will love you. Again, this is embarrassing, but this is in the Bible. It's good for us to understand. It's good for us to know the things, the real-life situation that they were in. And so Paul, this really very much um, makes, him under, uh, makes him upset for various reasons. Um, the biggest one being is that the focus of their faith and their hope was shifted off of Jesus and shifted onto what they needed to do. So Paul writes about circumcision, and we're going to look at it in a more of a general sense. He writes about it in the sense of, what about laws and following Jesus? What about the rules of faith and following Jesus? We look at Galatians chapter 5. If you got your uh, um, personal Bibles, you can open up to that. It's on the screen as well. Verse 1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. Then he continues, stand firm then and and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's talking about how all the Old Testament laws, including circumcision, they were a burden to people. The laws were a burden. They were like a yoke. They were like a slavery. Verse 2, mark my words, listen to me. I, Paul, tell you, That if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Uh, That seems like kind of a drastic thing to say. So you go through with this surgery, and now Christ's forgiveness is of no value to you. What is that all about? I mean, Christ's sacrifice always has value. Well, let Paul continue. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, and here's the problem, who are trying to be justified, trying to be declared not guilty, trying to be forgiven, 
by following law or by law, have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace. Paul's problem at the core was not whether someone had the surgery or didn't have the surgery. His problem at the core was the reason for which people were doing this law and other laws as well. They were trying to make themselves look better in God's eyes. They were trying to earn God's favor. And so Paul says, essentially, verse 3, if you're going to follow this law to make God love you, you better not stop there. You had better follow all of them. Because it's an all-or-nothing deal. It's not just one law. If you're going to get to God's favor through the law, you better keep them all. This focus on the rules of faith, of being a Christian, or what they perceived as being a rule of faith, really was at the heart of the Christian life and of the grace that God offers us through Jesus. It was at the heart of things, and, and Paul knew they were getting it wrong. Here's, here, let me talk about the danger of focusing too much on the laws of faith and the rules of faith. And this, this happens to us sometimes, but what happens, it, it, maybe I can compare it to um, something I found with a slinky. Remember the slinky? Um, it's still around, uh, especially maybe, you know, many years ago before, you know, not all the toys that we had were plug-in ones or electronic. Uh, they had good old toys like that. And, you know, they always showed on TV how it would uh, kind of, you know, go down the steps perfectly. Did everyone ever make that work? I always tried it. and I was told after the first service about why it didn't work um, and how it could work, so I'm eager to try it again. But um, the other thing I found about the slinky was a re something I was reminded of just a few weeks ago. Um, Carrie and I were asked to, um, well, let me back up. What happens to a slinky about two minutes after you get it? What's that? Twisted, tangled, exactly. It gets all tangled up. So that happened two minutes after one of my kids got one. We're, we're trying to untangle it, Carrie and I, and the more we concentrate and the more we you know, pull up our sleeves and dive into it and twist, I think I even did one of these, and you know, underneath and over the top. I mean, the problem was worse after two people were trying to fix it. The more we dug into it, the more we found what a horrible mess it really is. The more we dig into God's law, in the sense of putting the primary focus on it, what happens is, like with that slinky, all it leads us to is to realize more of what a mess we're in. And sometimes we need that. The truth is, God never gave us the law to make us feel better. He blesses us sometimes when we follow his law, but it was never meant to make us feel better. You know what it's meant for? <laughs> to make us feel bad. The law was given to make us realize we're not perfect and we need Jesus. It's meant to point us to the fact that we have no hope on our own, that we are, as the Bible says, Slaves to sin. Did you know you're a slave to sin? That I am? Don't believe me? 
Don't know what that means? Has it ever happened where you had an attitude, an action, some sort of thing in your life that you really wanted to change because you knew it wasn't right, that God wasn't happy with it? Let's take worry as an example. The roots of worry is sin, at the roots. It's a lack of trusting in God who's fully in control. And so when we hear that, and you've done this, I'm going to worry less. And you're praying about it, and then you watch the news. Or then something happens with your child. Or then a family member calls you, and right away, as much as you are trying not to worry, you're worrying again. Or maybe it's with contentment. I, I know God has blessed me. I look around in a moment of you know, truth, and I see objectivity. God's blessed me. But then I go to Facebook. And I see all the things people are posting. I've mentioned this before. It happens all the time where you go to the mall. And right away, what you were trying to do, which was being content, following God's direction, you're sinning again because you're coveting or you're greedy or I'm greedy. You know what that is? When you can't do what you want to do, it's slavery. And until we're in heaven, we might get better at following God's law with God's help, but we will always be slaves. We will always come back to the fact that we cannot be perfect. 500 years ago, there was a man named Martin Luther, and that's what happened to him. He was a monk, had given up everything. He felt horrible. He felt like God could not love him. In fact, he wrote about this later in his life. He looked back on those years and he said, I hated God because all I saw him as was this just judge who I could never reach his perfection. I could never add up. He would sleep on cold floors. He would beat himself. He would, Martin Luther would stop eating for days, just drink water, and yet it never helped. He still felt horrible. Why? Because his primary focus was on rules and laws. This was the problem for the Galatians that Paul was so concerned about too. And so he continues in verse 5. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to back up. Um, verse 1. I wanted to read that first. He writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Isn't this totally ironic that while many in the world would view religion and Christianity as just being this thing that boxes you in to living a certain way, that in actuality what Christ came to bring was the exact opposite of that. Freedom of hope, of realizing that while I on a daily basis sin, the consequences of that sin I am no longer a slave to. Verse 2 again, or I'm sorry, the end of verse 1. Stand firm then, and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, not only was the, the tomb broke free, but the chains that would have dragged us to hopelessness and despair were broken too. There are many people, even people who, who 
say they're Christians and have this wrong focus that when they near death, they don't have confidence because they're still wondering. Their focus is on the rules and the laws and being perfect as opposed to their primary focus being on the Savior who broke us free from the slavery of sin, from the slavery that would have led us all to eternal death. And Paul is saying, don't let yourselves be burdened by that anymore. Realize the great freedom you have. When Laura speaks, sings about the chains being broken later, remember how Jesus has set you free that you no longer need to worry about those things, but can have hope. Paul wanted that for the Galatians. And listen to what he writes now in verse 5. But by faith, not by works, by faith, we eagerly await through the Holy Spirit the righteousness, that is the holiness, that is the new life, that is heaven for which we hope. It's a lot more simple. You go to the door, God gives you a Milky Way. You say thank you. By faith, we wait. By faith, we hope. By faith, we receive. By faith, your loved one and you look forward to heaven with great confidence. That brings up the last question, an interesting question that we're going to close with is, so <laughs> what about all the rules and the directions? I'm free. No more, you know, discretion watching TV. You fill in the blank, whatever it might be, whatever rule you're thinking about. Paul realized that the Galatians might be thinking about that too, I think by inspiration, so he, he also wrote in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, that is, when you follow Jesus, faith, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, nothing that you do or don't do, has any value. Um, that is, it has no value when it comes to your forgiveness, okay? Because then he continues. The only thing that counts, so there is something valuable about what we do, the only valuable thing about it is that when is faith, your works, faith expressing itself through love. That's what works are. It's, it's just faith that people see as you express your love and respond to God's love through Jesus. To help you understand, and if, if you can remember this, and it may not be new, but if you can remember this and apply it to your life, it brings so much more joy in the Christian life. But let me explain it first. And to, to do that, I want you to think about um, your relationship with your parents, okay? I want you to start with your relationship when you were a kid. And, and I'm going to short story from when I was a kid. My mom loved chores. I don't know if she loved chores, she loved giving us chores, and I know that that kind of reflects in the way that I parent too sometimes, but uh, I'm not as bad as my mom. And so, especially during the summer, um, when she would work and we'd get up a little bit later than her, you could always count on the fact that there would be 
a, a, a note um, on the kitchen counter that would have all the things that we were supposed to, to do that day, you know, mow the lawn, pull weeds, um, vacuum the house, uh, clean our room, and on and on and on, paint the fence, paint the house, I mean, and, and usually it was all on the same day that we had to do that. Um, it seemed that way. And so, <laughs> I'll be honest, we hated the list. I mean, we would, truth, we would stay away from the kitchen and just hoping maybe there was no list and just maybe, um, you know, if we waited a little longer, we just could prepare ourselves for the list. We did not enjoy the rules, the chores, the laws. But then you grow up and you become an adult. And what happens? Um, hopefully, you begin to better appreciate your parents' love and you begin to better appreciate what they've done for you. And now it's not the same relationship, right? Because you aren't like the one that they give a list to every day anymore. You're kind of free, right? But guess what? You find joy in serving those who loved you. And even though you're free, in your freedom, you choose to joyfully serve. If, if we went down to Orlando and my mom would say, hey, um, Ben, we're all going out. You're going to stay home today. And here's a list. I'd say, bring it on. And I'm not even joking. I, would, I love my mom, and I would do that. And it's totally different. I'd find joy now. You find joy on most days in serving your parents. Perspective has changed. And my friends, a lot of people, and maybe, maybe you're one of them at times, just don't understand this part about being a Christian has nothing to do with making God happy with me or to look down at me with a smile. It's our way of saying thank you. And there's so much joy in being able to respond to what Jesus has done in the way that we live as teens, as kids, as adults, as seniors. Another way to think about it is that God changes your have-tos to want-tos, right? So I don't, I don't have to clean up my language. Well, I try to have good, I, I, I try to have good language anyway. Um, we want to. We don't have to be more committed or recommit to our marriage even during the hard times. We want to. We don't have to not watch certain shows that we know don't lead anywhere good. We want to. We don't have to go to church. I said it. I pray that you want to as we worship the one who has given us all things. As we close, you've probably noticed a common thread in all four weeks of this series. The biggest thing that's different from man-made religion and the truth of the Bible comes down to one central thing. It's a name. It's Jesus. And in Jesus, all things change. Our eternity, our joy, our purpose. And my friends, it is through him that following him is, um, I pray we found much more than just religion. Amen. Please stand.